This is the Movie Hall of Fame for Thursday, May 21st, 2020. Taking a break from the usual uh, weekly podcasts or the the, uh, usual Movie Hall of Fame format. We have our friend Jabril to help us through it on the other line. Hi, guys. How you doing, Jay? I don't know why I called you Jay. God, Jabril. (laughs) I, I fucking hate you sometimes, man. Just gotta bring that out there. You're just you're 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 just the Joker. That's really what my mom one. tells me. <laughs> Have you killed your mom yet with a pillow? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Your mother calls you the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> she calls my me. My mom a clown, calls me so. Arthur after Mar- Arthur Flex. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> Oh boy, what are we doing? What the? F- what are we doing? Well, we're doing uh, a podcast, is what we're doing. Well, and why are we doing a podcast? It's a great question. Because <laughs> it's what we do. It's in our nature. It's what we do. Like Al Capone, <laughs> guns down, motherfuckers. We do podcasts. Um, lot to get to today, so yeah. I'm just gonna spare yeah. with the formalities for a moment. Okay, there's breaking news. In the world of film, and I, I actually cannot believe I'm saying this right now, but where were you all when you found out that the Snyder Cut is actually a real thing? Hey. <laughs> oh, my God. Release the Snyder Cut is happening. Did you see this news, Adam? Yeah, I just got sent it by our good evil friend, Jabril, over there. What yeah. is going on? on it's a what thing. is happening it's a thing hbo max is paying 20 million dollars oh, jesus christ to have Zack snyder return to the booth return to the edit bay to rework the justice league movie it's this is the funniest thing about it though is that it's not the i i thought the snyder cut was only associated with batman v superman but it's the justice league Oh, yeah, you're clearly not up on your Snyder Cut I news. G- I, well, can you blame me? <laughs> clearly, you are not in the right Facebook groups. <laughs> are, are you Are you disappointed with me as if it fucking matters? <laughs> Who gives a shit about the Snyder Cut? <laughs> uh, raise your hand if you're on this podcast and you've actually seen 2017's Justice League. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> not one of us. Um, no. Yeah. I, I have no interest in watching this movie, but now I kind of have an interest in watching the Snyder Cut just because mm-hmm. of the myth surrounding this thing. How insane is this? <sighs> it's like finding Bigfoot yeah. at the end of the day, isn't it? Well, I will say this. From what I can gather from the Variety article I read or the Hollywood Reporter article about this, um, the Snyder Cut doesn't actually exist. I guess the Snyder Cut is just an idea that Zack Snyder had in his head and that became a real thing because a bunch of internet trolls wanted it to become a real thing. Mm -hmm. But there is no Snyder cut as of now. That's what the $20 million is for. Like he's going to call these actors back into the studio to do voice work. He's going to get the editors back together that worked on the movie to recut the movie with new scenes. So like this is just a reworked version of the bad justice league movie from 2017. This is like Disney paying George Lucas $40 million to do new hope for a 10th time. <laughs> so like the, the, the Snyder cut is not a real thing. Let's just say this right yeah. now for the record. It doesn't actually exist yet. 
Um, so I kind of don't know how to feel about this. I kind of feel like this is just fan culture run amok. Am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, I don't have an issue with director's cuts. You know this. Well, but I mean, clearly. I don't have an issue with director's cuts if we're talking about like Midsummer, for example. If it were up to you, every other movie that came out in a movie theater would be a new version of Blade Runner. Yeah, that's true. Like, I, I will not rest until we have Blade Runner 10 from 1982, you know? But essentially, like, yeah, like, like Midsummer needed a director's cut. Needed a director's cut. An extra 45 minutes? That's a given. I want three hours of Midsummer in my life. Yes, sir. I, I still need to see it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Justice League. No. Nah, and I, I I can't believe the 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 community is this vocal. It makes it seem like fucking Zack Snyder is more popular than Chris Nolan. Well, I, I okay, Jabril, what is your relationship to the release the Snyder Cut crowd? Have you ever like taken part in one of these like I, tweet chains? Until today, I didn't care because I I'm I'm out on DC superhero movies, but okay. the fact that it's actually coming out has me curious. Yeah. And I okay. just want to see, I just want to see a train wreck. Right. I know yeah. how bad Zack Snyder is. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I've seen some of Justice League and those special effects. Woo. Boy. <laughs> no good. No good. Not so good. Not good into not. the Henry Cavill non mustache. <laughs> not into it. No. <laughs> the removed mustache. <laughs> um, yeah. So again, I, I don't know if Zack Snyder actually has this many passionate fanboys i do think like half you think so yeah okay i think half of this movement is sincere i think the other half is just trolling <laughs> that's a pretty yeah. big claim right there i i Are do you- i i i think that at first yes there were people that actually wanted to see Zack snyder's intended vision and that were against joss whedon having his grimy little fingers in the pot and they legitimately tried getting this hashtag going and they sent petitions to Warner brothers. And I, I believe that they are sincere and there have been articles written about these people. Like the, the release, the Snyder cut story is more interesting than the actual story of justice league. Sure. Right. (laughs) I do think though, once that movement went viral, the hashtag was just so hilarious. The idea that (laughs) Zack Snyder he must be the guy with final say on the matter. Um, I, I think it was just too enticing for some trolls to pass up. Ugh. And that's why I think this exists. I think that this is, in my opinion, a bunch of trolls putting their might together um, and causing Warner Brothers to spend $20 million on a movie that does not need to exist. I don't know. This maybe, is all maybe. content, man. It's all content, man. Yeah. HBO Max, they need some they need subscribers. This is the perfect way to drum up that this is a homegrown fan backed sensation. Why not? Yep. Yep. But, it's homegrown? I mean, I don't know like what like you're <laughs> that seems to imply that there's like a charm to the Justice League movie. Like, okay. oh, it's the little engine that could. The $300 million CGI cluster. Creative vision in the area in the era of big studio blockbusters. How many Nico. writers worked Nico. on Justice League? Let me look how many writing credits there were. I know. I know. One, two, three, four, five, six. Mm. Uh, 
makes me nauseous. Enough of this. Stop pretending like this is like, you know, uh, 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 like, um, like a, like a Buffalo 66 type Vincent Cassell type movie. Hey. You know what I mean? Like, this is not like the little engine that could, this is not clerks. You know, this is not sex lies and videotape. This is a disastrous Hollywood production that for some reason, 20 morons on the internet thought would be made better if the original bad director got to have his way. Well, Nico, like, let's not forget, like, I am not selling short the Zack Snyder fan base. It is a real thing. And it's it's yep. a it's a virus and we need to get <laughs> rid of it. I mean, let, let me let me remind you, Nico, let me remind you back in the heyday of why is this a thing when it was you, me, Zack and Nico, or you, me, Zack and Nick, mm-hmm. um, exactly 25 percent of our podcast was a fan of <laughs> a Zack Snyder. <laughs> That's a good point. Don't that's forget a, that. So that is a good point. If we blow that up, there's a fan base there. You're saying one in four people are <laughs> Zack Snyder fans based on that sample size? Yes, that's right. That's what I'm doing here. At least we've expunged all of the Zack Snyder fans from our website. I mean, that's at least true. we're doing our part. Everyone, every well, that's the thing. It's everyone thinks that Zack went to the military, but no, 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 that's, that's not what happened. He went not into really Zack Snyder uh, yeah. isolation. Yeah, we had to, we we had to, to get exile. Rid- Snyder we, exile. We had to get we had to do something about that. We had to get rid of him. <laughs> is there a chance that this movie is good? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Stop it. Depends on what you define as good. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> well, uh, elaborate, please. You have I'm I'm listening. You mean it's like Neil Breen good? good? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's what I mean. That's the ticket. Yeah, it could, it could be good in its own way. Hey, Capone is good in its, in its own way. You know I what? Mean, you know what? <laughs> yep. You see what yep. I mean? See what I did there? Mm-hmm. You guys are the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right, that's all I have on this night. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, y'all. Can't wait. wait. What? <sighs> what? 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 You were saying something, Jabril. I said, can't wait. Cannot wow. wait. Uh, what Let's do go. y'all watch lately? Y'all watch movies lately? Jabril, you seen anything? Mm. Porn? <laughs> no. No. No? <laughs> well, kind of porn. Uh, I saw Match Point. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Match Point. Kind Ray of Allen. porn. There are pornographic <laughs> elements. Yeah. I guess. Well, it's an erotic thriller. A certain a certain type. Sure. Are you becoming a Woody Allen fan in front of our eyes? Is that what's happening here? I like wood. Maybe. I don't know. No, it was good. I uh, I think it's a a better version of crimes and misdemeanors. Thank you. I said the same thing. (laughs) This is a horrendous take. I said the exact same thing. Being so mean. I think it's 100% correct. (laughs) For one, like he's not in it. So that's already a. That's, That's pretty true. good. Yeah. yeah. And Crimes and Misdemeanors looks like it was shot on VHS. This actually <laughs> looks like it was, uh, this, this looks like an actual movie. So, <laughs> uh, that's funny. You got a DP with some skill. So, wow. you know. I, I, I'm there with you. I know this Nico. Is, this, is, this is a horrible, this is a horrible take. No, no, I don't this, think, no. This, hey, Woody Allen this agrees is, with actually, us. Actually, this is bordering Woody on Allen rude. Woody Allen agrees point. with us, Nico. This is bordering on rude. 
It's rude. <laughs> this is a this is a rude thing to say. Crimes Woody and Allen is a fucking masterpiece, and you all Woody need to Allen. get a, that stick out of your ass. Woody <sighs> Allen himself is bordering on rude. Actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> uh, no, but so you liked the movie though? I did. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Good talk. All right. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Adam, no, what have you a, seen recently? No, Anything? Uh, I, I saw Onward. Oh, we right. T- we talked about that on the other pod. Yeah. Uh, so now, uh, good old 2020, I have nine films on my list that I've uh, seen. Okay. So uh, far, would you call this a good movie year or a bad movie year? Uh, it's pretty pretty shitty, actually. <laughs> I agree. It's, ac- it's actually pretty fucking terrible. <laughs> I concur. Um, it's it's wow way to come out swinging 2020 holy <laughs> crap this is bad i mean i enjoyed the invisible man a lot but i mean that's not like a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination is that uh, your number one right it's now? it's my number one wow my oh. we want, my five invisible man followed by the hunt three is color out of space wow Four is all the bright places on Netflix, and five all, is I don't e- I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. Young adult thing. Um, onward is five, and then the the following three are Jesus Rolls, Capone, and Miss Americana at the bottom. Fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a great year. Um, yeah. I mean, we knew this was coming. I mean, we didn't know that this was coming, but we. I think anticipated after 2019 being such a strong year that this would maybe be a down year for movies. Maybe. These things go in waves. Sure. I mean, at least that's what I thought. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'll live with it. I, I, I remember 2019 very fondly. And so I will remain in my head in the year 2019 and <laughs> try to not, forget that these first six months of the year even happened. Not my 2020. Is that yeah. your attitude? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, I watched a movie this week. I actually wanted to talk about this because uh, Jabril is the one that hit me uh, to this news. Uh, the director, Lynn Shelton, died this week. Uh, girlfriend yeah. of Mark Marin. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you a Marin head, Jabril? I, I think you listen more than I do, probably, right? I am, yeah. And most recently he did a... Uh, he. Uh uh, re-aired the interview episode that he conducted with her back in 2015 and the intro... He gave is really, really, really heartbreaking. Yeah, I listened to it two days ago and uh, just sobbing uncontrollably the entire yeah. time. I was mm. sobbing. Uh, and if you heard the end, if you listened to the whole thing, he did a little mm-hmm. other bit at the end. Uh, yeah, Marin is, um, you know, just uh, an awesome interviewer. It mm-hmm. is just really, really good at what he does. And I don't think he was always that way. He was just sort of a curious comic at one point in time, but his podcast has become something else completely. Um, he's kind of like the Terry gross of 2020. Now it's mm. like he becomes like the, the stop for uh, Hollywood press tours. Uh, and I don't listen to every episode that he does, but I'll always mm. listen. If somebody interesting is on the Jennifer Lawrence episode. I don't know if you've heard it is one of my mm-hmm. favorite podcasts of all time. It's so good. Uh, because man, he like, just gets hot 20 year olds lusting after him, man. Look at that. He can play the guitar. He's a, oh, he interviewed Obama. God damn. Yeah, Obama came to his house to record I that know. podcast. I what know. the hell? It's, oh man. The Jennifer Lawrence interview though, she is flirting with him so hard during mm-hmm. that episode. Mark there's, Marin? There's mm-hmm. so much sexual tension. Why? I described him as Gaspar Noe with hair. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, Gaspar Noe is a beautiful man. Let's oh, yeah, get that yeah, straight. Come on beautiful now. Tan Frenchman. There's something like so appealing about him. Like you hear mm-hmm. these conversations. He gets these celebrities to open up in ways that you've never heard before. Like that yeah. Jennifer Lawrence interview is incredibly honest. Uh, the DiCaprio Brad Pitt interview that is fun. so yeah. fucking good. Mm-hmm. They spend about a half hour talking about Leo's father, who was an art collector mm-hmm. and like all of the art that DiCaprio owns. And then Brad Pitt goes on this tirade about how great Mark Maron's sitcom is. <laughs> That's like his favorite show of all time. Brad Pitt has watched the IFC sitcom Marin three mm-hmm. times in a row. <laughs> so it's like wow. a, it's just like such an interesting podcast. And um, he's always so upfront and honest with his listeners. And like, sometimes you feel like you're getting too close. Like I shouldn't even be in the room listening yeah. to this right now. And that's kind of how I felt this week um, as he was talking about the death of his girlfriend who died just a few days ago. Mm. Um, neither of you have seen a Lynn Shelton movie, correct? Not yet, no. Not okay, yet. so I watched uh, Sword of Trust, which is the movie he did with, she did with Marin last year. Uh, Marin is very, very good in it, by the way. He's developed mm. into a pretty good actor along with interviewer. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I wasn't like crazy about the movie. I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, but like she is just so clearly or was so clearly a great actor's director. The movie is sort of a loose premise about a, a family heirloom that is used as evidence to prove that the civil war, that the South actually won the civil war. Um, so it's like this sort of like this screwball comedy, improv comedy. It's a bunch of like comic actors just ad libbing. It's definitely not Adam's thing. It's more of a me thing than an Adam (laughs) thing. Uh, but she's clearly a really good actor's director and it, and it did make me curious to watch some of her older movies. Hump day is one laggies is another, your sister's sister, uh, all three that I've heard good things about. Uh, but like just a really cool mumblecore director and, and writer. Um, she sort of, uh, is actually best known for her TV work, did a ton of TV episodes, uh, including a Mad Men episode, uh, which is uh, often considered one of the better Mad Men episodes. Which one? Um, it is the one. It is season four. Let me give you the exact name of it. Uh, it's a season four episode, I think. Um, let's see. Mad Men to, from 2010. It was the episode Hands and Knees, um, mm. which is the one where Don thinks he's being tailed by the FBI. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty good. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, yeah, it is a really good one. Um, so she's just like a really cool TV director and uh, got a lot out of her performers. And you know, we're gonna talk about a director later (laughs) in the podcast (laughs) that I wouldn't necessarily call an actor's director. Um, but but there's clearly something about this woman. Here's the thing, right? Uh, actually, let's just segue into Josh Trank talk because we're going to do a lot of Josh Trank. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Josh Trank was a guy that was endowed with the, uh, the term wonderkind at a like young age uh, was sort of destined to be the next great Hollywood director and was clearly given too big a budget too early on in life and failed miserably because of it. And I think there is something kind of refreshing about a director like Lynn Shelton who 
started directing pretty late in life. She talked about in that Marin interview that her first feature wasn't until age 39. So mm-hmm. she really sort of scrapped around in television for a while and did acting and did improv and did sketch comedy. And, uh, you know, I, that's just sort of the way to do it, in my opinion. Like, I just think, like, you have to sort of do your dues, um, pay your dues before you're given $100 million to make a movie. And I, I don't know. I just find something a little more artistically meaningful in Lynn Shelton's work than I do Josh Trink's work. <laughs> it well, really depends. It's on a case-by-case yeah. basis because, for example, Mr. Lynch, uh, is an, as an auteur, his first feature film, he right out of the gate got everything he wanted through a temper tantrum and then got the members of the AFI he was connected to to give him as much money he needed to complete his vision. Right out of the gate, he was kind of a temperamental, determined auteur and he got to make whatever he wanted and he made a masterpiece for his first feature. So it really, I guess, just depends. Well, um, person it, to person, interestingly, so. though, like you're this, 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 David Lynch and David Fincher are actually funny examples of this, mm-hmm. where David Lynch was given, you know, like like proved himself right out of the gate. But then I, th- I think that the next feature was um, 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 Elephant uh, Man. Know, Elephant Man. Yeah. But then he's given the keys to the castle and he goes and does Dune. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of needs to reset his career and try mm-hmm. to find a, a, the, you know, a track that worked for him. And he does, but he doesn't break away from that really ever again, I guess, aside from the straight story. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but then there's David Fincher. <laughs> <laughs> and David Fincher is known for... Uh, special effects on Return of the Jedi and a couple music videos with Madonna and they're like "All right, we'll give the keys to the castle to this kid already for Alien 3 and it's one of the most disastrous productions (laughs) in in cinema history and uh, David Finch is one of those guys that should have been scorned and set out like immediately like he should have been forgotten to the sands of time but then Mm -hmm. he's like "All right, I'll just do my thing and he comes out with 7 and he's able to collect the pieces in a way that worked for him. Josh no. Trank. <laughs> oh boy. Man. I, I, there's a lot of problems with this for, for me personally. I, I think most notably is because I don't understand why he was described as like this wonder kid. Mm. Like, like why, why, why was he initially given that, that, that title? Like I, I cause I don't know. I didn't see any, any evidence of it be, through Chronicle. Yeah. Th- this is, <laughs> I think the crux of the conversation and why, I mean, I know I'm confused and I think Adam feels the same way about this. Yeah. I think Chronicle is a totally fine movie. Yeah. Um, it's uh, like, you know, a, no, no, here, I'll say it's a good movie. Okay. Yeah, sure. Good. I'll go it's that good. far. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really cool January release, which is what it was. It came out in January. Not much was expected out of it. It uh, delivered at the box office and became sort of a breakout hit. Um, and I don't think anybody expected Chronicle to do as well as it did. Um, but that is not the type of movie that you watch it and you think, yo, this is the next Steven Spielberg. No, you know, that's just it's just not the type of movie. If you watch Duel, there are elements of Duel that make you think, oh, this kid has got something here. Mm. Um, never the case with Trank. I don't know. What are mm. your thoughts on on Chronicle? If you've seen it, Jabril, have you seen it? <laughs> I saw it in the theater when it came out. I haven't seen it since. I remember liking it pretty well. I got the impression that even then I wasn't too into, I wasn't a cinephile like I am now, but I thought, wow, this this is pretty good. I can't wait to see what this director does next. So that really? was basically the crux of, yeah. Okay. Because okay. I, 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 I just thought rules. it was like a fine, well. <laughs> yeah, Duel's awesome, sure. Yeah, Duel's <laughs> 
but it's like it, it. I don't know. It was it was one of those movies where it's like I saw it and I just thought it was like this decent little, like you said, January release. I wonder mm. how it would have fared if it came out like in the summer. Honestly, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that was part of it. I just thought and. My my other issue with it was that I just didn't think it made sense as a found footage film, and Josh Trank was clearly trying to like break the found footage genre. And I mm-hmm. thought, as a found footage film, it made absolutely no sense. I think he's pretty open about that, actually. Yeah, and he did a long interview in Polygon, uh, the website Polygon. Uh, go read that feature if you're so inclined. It is very detailed and very honest. But he says at one point in that article that yeah, once. He made Chronicle. He didn't want anyone else to make a found footage movie ever again. Like he wanted to break the rules so hard that it would be impossible to keep going. And I mean, in fairness, I don't think the found footage genre has done anything of note since Chronicle. So maybe he succeeded. No, they continue Uh, to make them. Uh, Searching to a certain extent. Yeah, it's yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends. It's very. It's not. Maybe found footage had like a. Oh, this weird like upswing that happened for a couple years mm-hmm. and it was like the thing and like they were almost all of them were bad yeah. <laughs> and I think that that he was very acutely aware of that so he just wanted to make one that you could label as good right and I guess my issue with it was like yeah it's a good movie but as a found footage film I just didn't get it I was like, yeah. why did this need to be found footage? It made, like I said, n- almost no sense to me. And it's one of my my biggest issues with the film. I was like, there, there are times where you forget it's found footage and that shouldn't really be the point. It's not like mm-hmm. Blair Witch Project or anything like that, you know, which is fundamentally mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And again, just as a film, as a cinematic experience, I, I was just like, it's a fine film, I guess. But n- never blew me away. They definitely pushed the boundaries with, that final sequence and they oh definitely yeah, tested yeah, yeah, yeah. your patience the fucking s- f- smartphones as he's fighting i'm gonna <laughs> steal your smartphones and film myself like, right what <laughs> gotta make what? sure i get proper coverage here oh it's so dumb <laughs> gotta it get the all the angles <laughs> my ma- my my jaw dropped when i saw that out of how stupid it was yeah but yeah not not a big fan of it but i i don't i don't mm. dislike it uh i think i it's it's aged poorly for me because of max landis of all people actually yeah well max former, landis, a complicated figure i do Red not like max media landis. cohort max yeah. landis <laughs> yeah. i i really don't like max landis uh, I, nor do any of the women he's ever dated it turns yeah. out Ooh, jesus uh, mm-hmm. yeah no not a good guy as it turns out uh, had to be removed from the set of chronicle according to josh trank because he was yeah. being so difficult Kind of just like one of those rich entitled kids that uh, thinks that they own the world and apparently women. Um, apparently and, runs in the family too. So is that right, John John Landis? You know, Twilight yeah. Zone that that whole incident. So that makes uh, sense though. He has okay. a reputation anyway. So okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, so yeah, uh, Max Landis is now I think out of canceled. the business. Yeah, sure, canceled. I guess is the term. <laughs> um, even though I hate that term, but yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <But whatever. laughs> so yeah, the, that, that movie I think is, uh, is less well-regarded in 2020 than it was in 2012. Mm-hmm. Regardless, he makes the movie, makes the movie, by the way, at the age of 26, which is relevant. Mm-hmm. If you, if you of course read this polygon piece, um, one of Trank's endeavors was to beat Spielberg to the gate as a filmmaker. He wanted okay. to make a movie at the age of 26 because Steven Spielberg made Jaws at the age of 27. 
And it was always important for him to beat Steven Spielberg. (laughs) This is the type of ego we're dealing with here. Um, So uh, he succeeds, gets Chronicle made with a shoestring budget. He becomes the youngest director to ever have a movie hit number one at the box office. Wow. So you can imagine what that does to a young man's ego. And you can also imagine what that does to the studio system. All of a sudden, you've got a young kid at record age uh, hitting number one at the box office. Let's see what other pitches he has for us. Kathleen Kennedy calls him, signs him up to do a Boba Fett movie. Uh, He was at one point attached to do the Venom movie that eventually starred Tom Hardy, his future collaborator. Uh, But he ended up dropping out of that. He had a number of other projects in the works uh, that never metamorphosized. But then Fantastic Four happens, or should I say Fant Four Stick? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. From 2015. And I think chaotic production is putting it mildly. Um, If you read into this, he was essentially removed from the project creative control was stripped uh he shot a decent amount of the movie and when it screened for the studio the studio was not happy with it so they ordered massive reshoots and rewrites um trank was just obliged to sign on to all of them and the movie comes out it flops not only at the box office but also with critics and josh trank in a seemingly sober stupor on (laughs) Twitter seemingly in heavy quotes. Are you- <laughs> I don't know. At least it was in a fit of rage tweets out, man. I wish you guys could have seen my version of Fant four stick. If only you saw the Trank cut. Uh, I've heard would have enjoyed too. it a lot more. He didn't mm-hmm. say all that. You're adding well, that. Of course hey. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, mm. but I, yes, I'm capturing, yes, yes. I think the spirit mm. of the tweet. <laughs> mm. This did not go over well. No, as you can imagine in Hollywood, the studio, not happy, nor was any other studio, apparently. And seemingly for the last five years, Josh Trank has been living in, in exile, uh, in movie prison, as they call it, recovering from that whole debacle. He lost his Star Wars project, lost every other project that he was supposed to make. Um, and here we are now in 2020. Yep. And we have Capone. So that's Josh Trank. You got to be careful sometimes when you fly too close to the sun at such a young age. Yeah. When you don't get your sea legs under you. He might be the first, I guess, I mean, if we're to label millennial filmmakers, he might be one of the first, I suppose. He's he's around that age. But uh, and The Safdie <laughs> brothers? Yeah. That's a good point. Safdie brothers, well, what's, what's the cutoff for millennial? It's some, it's like what is it like eighty seven, yeah something like that eighty seven or something like that okay so yeah he's yeah, around I get, that time then yeah yeah I mean I guess it shows in his attitude it makes mm. a lot of sense to me yeah um yeah F- Fantastic Four is not good mm. <laughs> it's ungood Adam and I just fact. watched this last night Ooh, tell me tell me tell me I've not seen it. <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, do you want to go first? No, I want you to go first. Well, uh, it's good. Let me just start out. <laughs> Let me just start out. It's a great film. It's a great film. It's better than Easy Rider. But um, uh, no, 
<laughs> I would not dare say such a thing. It's okay. I was kind of surprised. Um, I mean, the film had been overhyped in its negativity for me for a long time now. Yes. And so I was expecting like a total dumpster fire. Yes. I, I you know, I, I'm not sure it's worse than Suicide Squad. I agree. But it is the the first half. I was like, it's not like particularly good at all. But like, there's this is not like a train wreck of a movie. I was waiting for the train wreck to happen, mm-hmm. right? And it kind of does, but it kind of doesn't either. It just sort of fizzles out, and you're like, oh, that's it. Well, that was stupid. That was nothing. <laughs> it's it's just a heavily misjudged film i would say i would say the the ambitions that it's shooting for are not worthwhile at all i don't think what the film is that's true i don't think it makes any sense for fantastic four honestly tonally i would rather have that piece of shit from 2005 the two Um, pieces of shit from 2005 and 2007 yep (laughs) those those capture my idea of the fantastic four much better than whatever the hell this was yeah um I don't know what this was. It was just this is like this Cronenberg esque sci-fi superhero film. That was and, one of the things that I heard going into the movie. I remember was, that was the the big elevator pitch before it was released. This is going to be a Cronenbergian body horror movie. It's kind of, but like not to the same effect. It's not nearly as well. Obviously not. Yeah. Not nearly as disturbing. The movie is just like a lot of like nothing though. I guess that's my problem with it. It's like there is little to no chemistry between any of the characters Mm. and it's so palpable that it's honestly kind of off-putting and it's very, it's quite embarrassing seeing any of these actors act in a scene together. It's very obviously miscast and I don't know what anybody's doing and the development between these characters is sorely lacking. The writing is terrible. It's in the editing is like, like, like f- nicely paced and then rushed to, to, to the worst end. I mean, that's that climax is so bad. Okay. Well, <laughs> there is a reason for this though. And yes. that's because, well, I, I guess this is really the crux of the conversation. Uh, how much of this is Josh Trank's fault? Yeah. Trank clearly w- had a very specific vision for this movie. It was going to be dark It was going to be slightly horrific and it was going to be evidently anticlimactic because that final scene is not in Josh Trank's cut of the movie. Sure. The movie did not have a climax. His whole idea was let's just do all exposition, all of the origin story and end right there and then come back for the sequel. If you want to see your heroes fight Dr. Doom. Now that is a choice. As a bold, bold choice. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> to not have a climax. Now, I don't know if that version of the movie is better. I certainly think the final third of this movie is the worst part of the movie. Yeah. So the part yes. that Josh Trank is least involved in is the worst part. Take mm-hmm. that for what it is. I do think the whole Cronenbergian body horror idea was really cool. Um, I, I actually, the, my favorite scene in the movie is when they're panning up to Miles Teller, who's on the hospital bed stretched out as Mr. Fantastic, the elastic man, um, and just sort of getting a sense of how his body has contorted because of this power that he now has. And when you, when you learn who, uh, or, or what the thing looks like, what Ben Grimm looks like for the first time, you know, there are elements here, man. Like th- this is something that I've never quite seen in a, a superhero movie before where there are 
horrifying portrayals of of these powers. Um, You're right, though. The cast is just horrible. And considering it's Miles Teller, Kate Mara, Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Bell and Toby Kebbell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's shocking how bad they are. It, mm-hmm. it is so embarrassing to see these high profile actors, isn't it? Have to slum it in this piece of shit. And I think just in general, like the idea of the dark gritty reboot is a dated term already. Um, and it was misguided ever since the dark Knight, And I think it, it was misguided in 2015. I, I just think like you want to adopt the Marvel model. You don't want to adopt the Dark Knight model anymore. Yep. No, you want to go your own way at this point. Sure. Sure. The Marvel, the Marvel formula is kind of played out. I, I'd want, if yeah. anybody else gonna, is going to do another superhero movie, I'd want them to divert from the Marvel formula. That's Let's true. do something different. That's true. And yeah, it isn't a binary. You're right about that. It's not just totally light or totally dark. Mm-hmm. The, there, there can be something in between or there could be something even more extreme. Um, you you got to look at it with some perspective, though. Like yeah. we talk about this a lot, where it's like Superman is a is a guy in a cape wearing red underwear. Right, Man of Steel doesn't make any sense. Sure. Um, and I can say the same about Fantastic Four. It's about a stretchy man and a fiery man and an invisible girl in a rock <laughs> man. It's, it's it's not a Cronenberg film. I'm sorry. If you want to go for that, fine. But that's not the essence of fucking Fantastic Four. No character in a Cronenberg movie has ever said the words flame on before their body no. lit up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> nor, nor has any character in a Cronenberg film yelled, it's clobbering time. <laughs> How bad is Miles Teller in this movie, by the way? Oh, my God. He, okay, Ooh. thank you, by the way. I, He's I completely so forgot. bad. He was like, I, I, he was on another planet, <laughs> another dimension. Where was Miles Teller in this movie? Talk about a guy that got too big for his britches. In fisticuffs oh with the director, apparently. Yes, apparently they almost got in a fist fight on set. Because Miles Teller might be an asshole. That's what I've heard. No so. kidding. <laughs> I think they're both assholes. Yeah. That but you can sense. channel Miles Teller's assholeness, though. And that's what Damien Chazelle did in Whiplash. Yeah, Whiplash. And that's why what that, else? that performance is so good is because Damien Chazelle captured that that douchiness. Uh, and, and there's some subtlety good, to his evil. performance. I'll give him credit in that, but I've not seen him be good in anything else. Uh, I um, like him in Spectacular now. Okay, Have I, I seen, seen Spectacular? Uh, I haven't seen Spectacular now. I don't. Think I, haven't I haven't seen Too Old to Die Young, so I can't speak on that. <laughs> I want. I was gonna say. I wonder how uh, good old Refn handled uh, our buddy Miles Teller. I think there might have been more fist fights on the set of that movie. You think or, so? Or that show? Yeah. I bet you they fell in love <laughs> and they rode away into the sunset. Never saw each other again. <laughs> Yo, Miles Teller definitely thought that he was like the next Jack Nicholson in 2012. Yeah, you, you think so? That. Yeah. You could tell in that performance, man. It's like he's not even trying to play a computer nerd. He's just like, like look at me. I'm Miles Teller and I'm so handsome. You know who bothers me? Because you're probably right about that. It's the ones who you 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 want them to be like that, but you, the, you just know they're not. It's like if you see interviews with them, like Timothy Chalamet in interviews is such a fucking weirdo goofball <laughs> who has no idea where he is in any given moment. And you and he's like the perfect person. He can play the piano. He speaks French. He's like this incredible actor. And he's just lovable. And it's like, why can't you suck? Just suck for me, <laughs> for the love of God. He's playing Paul Atreides in Doom, for the love of God. I'm just like... He's playing Bob Dylan. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and he's just like... 
Yeah, it's kind of cool, right? It's like, fuck you, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> that dude is just talent out of the womb. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, From it's second annoying. one, it's like this dude was born to be a movie star. Exactly. Right, the, the first time you see Timothy Chalamet in anything, it's instantly clear how great he is. It's one of those moments where it's like I go in to confront him and, and be like, you know, I'm going to go fucking talk to Timothy. And I go into the, to a room to talk to the guy and, and you don't speak to me. And then I come out and I'm defeated and I'm like, he's going on vacation with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just signed away the dude to my house. Yeah. <laughs> and also I allowed him to have sex with my girlfriend in front of me. He's coming over for dinner. Chalamet's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> un- yeah, you're right. He's unbelievable. Well, Miles Teller, though, needless to say, not that guy. No, not anymore. No, I think there no. is a specific talent that the man has. I don't think he's a bad actor. I just think like these are not the roles for him. I think he needs to play more whiplash like roles. And just, I mean, really just needs to be married to the right material. That's what it comes True. down to. True. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's the backstory of Josh Trank. Yeah. Now let's get to the current act of the Josh Trank story. Yep. On on today's episode of Swinging for the Fences, we have Capone. <laughs> let's... Jabril, what the flying fuck? What the fuck? What indeed? What the flying what? fuck indeed? No, 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 no. Don't spin that question when, back at me. When did you watch this thing? What was this? What did you do? <laughs> I watched it this Saturday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, you requested this. I did. You requested <laughs> a seat at the table for this I podcast. Did. I did. Yes. What do you want to say? Uh, I want to say. Voice Arbente, mi cacano e pantalón, pantaloni. Oh God! Can you please say you fucking bum? That you was my fucking fish. bum. <laughs> That was my fish. Oh, I pooped myself. <laughs> my throat. Oh boy. What what did you do here? What is this? Why did what you did do I, what this? What did I do? Yes. What did he do? What did all these people no, do? No, what did you do? Why did you bring this to us? I'm what just is trying to have thing? some fun with my friends. What the fuck? Yeah. Does it look like we're having a good time? Yes. Do you think I had a good time? Actually, I had a great time last there you night. Go. I, had a, I, I had a fucking blast texting with Adam about this movie last oh, night. Oh, yeah. Because I was ahead of him. I, I, I had started the movie, I think, like half an hour before he did. He's like, okay, I'm going to watch it. Because I get to a point in the film and I'm just like, okay, Jabril's going to have a fucking field day with the impressions tomorrow. Oh, uh, so, we, so we get going and he goes like, okay, I'm watching it. And then... <laughs> He, he he gets going and he's like, what the holy fuck is this? And I'm just like, you haven't seen the Wizard of Oz scene yet, have you? He's like, what? And You're, then he you got to understand, this dude is like just dropping in little out of context clues about what's coming in the movie. He just just random phrases that are just conjuring up things in my mind, like Wizard of Oz or Louis Armstrong. Or Louis Armstrong. Oh, God. <laughs> or shit scene. He's just you know, putting in these little messages like a scavenger hunt. And I'm like, what the hell does this clue even mean? What am I supposed to do with this information? And I wanted to know what the discovery was really like for you, Nico. It was more than I could have ever expected. Um, yo, yo, yeah. <laughs> yo, Capone, yeah. bro. 
Capone. Okay. Your people, Nico. Come on, speak on it. Stop, speak about stop. it. Come on. <laughs> Is this an accurate portrayal, Nico? Of Italians? Dead on. <laughs> Every Thanksgiving look like this in my house. All right. How do you do you want to talk about the trank of it all or the or the hardy of it all? Let's I think, talk about Tom Hardy first. Okay. Yeah, yes. They're both very fascinating. Okay. Tom Hardy, one of the five best actors working today, right? Um sure. We'll we'll see. We'll Top see. T- I mean, this, this, oh boy. I mean, let's take this out of it for a second. Going into the movie, would, would he have been in your top five? It would have been, yeah, top five, top 10. I think he's, yeah. I think he's in my top yeah. five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Just incredible performance after incredible mm. performance. Not every performance is great, but certainly every performance is interesting. Off the strength of Bronson alone, he's, he's one of my favorite actors. Oh, God, he's so good in Bronson. Mm. Oh, my God, he's so good in that movie, which is interesting. Okay, I was thinking of Bronson while watching this because in that movie, he's playing uh, Britain's most notorious prisoner, mm-hmm. just this vile, uncaged animal of a human being mm. that like earns every like second of that personality. And I would have thought like, okay, like I, I understand why he would have been chosen for someone like Al Capone. Um, and also he has been in talks to play Al Capone for several yep. years. He was actually working that for a long time on yep. another Al Capone project separate and apart from Josh mm. Trank. So this just presented a nice opportunity for him. Mm. So yes, mm. <laughs> I, I guess on paper, sure. An Al Capone character makes sense. Um, mm. Yeah. I, you know, Again, not every Tom Hardy performance is great. I What are your think, guys' favorites? What are your guys' favorite performances? My favorite perform- I love yeah. I love the drop. Oh, I see that. I see that. I see that. I adore the drop. I think he's just so good in that movie. Um, but I mean Locke is mm. great. He's great in that L- movie. Locke mm. is actually I think my favorite performance followed by Bronson followed by um uh uh the drop. Hey Adam, it's a big pour. It's a big poor. It's a big poor. I wish I could do a good Locke voice. It's so good. I, yeah, it's a great Welsh accent. Yeah. Ivan Locke. Traffic is good. It's going to be a big poor. Traffic is good. Traffic is good. It's, that movie fucking rules, dude. It's one of my favorites. Jabril, you got to do Locke, man. I will do one that. One of my I favorites. Will do that. It's so good. Really awesome movie. Dude, Tom Holland is in that movie. That's oh right. God. Yeah, a voice performance. But yeah, he is in it as like a little kid. Yeah. Olivia Coleman is in that movie. Oscar winner Olivia Coleman is in that movie. That's right. All on speakerphone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, uh, you know, he's good enough in Mad Max. I, I wouldn't. You know, so mm-hmm. in his top five. He serves he serves his purpose in Mad Max, but that mm-hmm. the, that type of Max is not meant to be like a showy performance at all. Mm-hmm. Best part of Dunkirk, best part of the Revenant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can talk about Bane till the cows come home. But best part of Inception. Yeah, mm-hmm. best part of Inception mm-hmm. too. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. So in terms of like winning a movie, if we're talking about winning a movie, Tom Hardy has the highest win percentage, I think, of any actor this decade. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> you know? Probably the best part of Star Trek Nemesis, even though I've not seen it. Mm. Yeah. But again, there are flashes of some questionable decision making in Tom Hardy's career. Venom, an example. Bane, another example. Although I understand why you would accept the part. I'm not sure I agree with every voice inflection in that movie. <laughs> the, the thing is, Bane is more polarizing at this point they're, they're still they're Adamus must be in the wreckage brother <laughs> plenty of Bane supporters out there is, is my point but not many Venom supporters maybe I, maybe I would support Bane if I understood more than every other word that he said 
Yes. I just you don't know what he's saying him. half the time. It's just silly. Yeah. I am Gotham's Reckoning. Or perhaps I wonder why someone would shoot a man before <laughs> throwing him out of a plane. <laughs> Fucking Speak bang, of the dude. devil and he shall appear. <laughs> Too easy to impersonate. Mm-hmm. Uh... Anyway, oh, here's another example. You probably haven't seen it, but the television show Taboo on FX. Another oh, example mm. of some questionable decision making. Mm. Haven't seen it. Yeah. I believe but there's a, pe- a scene where uh, Tom Hardy eats his own feces in that. Cool. Ooh. Well, good for Yummy. him. Good for him. Uh, what Yo. the hell's going on with our boy in this movie? <laughs> Why does he look like a vampire zombie? What yeah, is the yeah. makeup? Yeah, it's terrible. That is not old man makeup. (laughs) By the way, he's only like 48, so it's not even old man makeup. It's sickly makeup, but that is not makeup that any human being that makes like a person that looks like a human being. You know what I'm saying? No, I was trying to figure this out. I was very confused because the first thing, obviously, that strikes you is the voice. (laughs) <laughs> immediately and I had to look it up I was like is this really what Al Capone sounded like mm. and it it is kind of he's like it's like it, it, it's weird because Al Capone's voice is very cartoonish as it is and like that's not it's my my review of it would be like well it's not not Al Capone <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've never heard Al Capone's. But my only exposure to Al Capone, I guess, is Boardwalk Empire, mm-hmm. and uh, and I guess uh, De Niro and Untouchables. Right? He mm-hmm. he sounds like Burgess Meredith's Penguin. <laughs> oh my! That's what Al Capone sounds like. Okay, so okay, close enough then. Yep. Let's call it close enough. Yeah, exactly. Close, close enough. But you, it's impossible to listen to him say anything without just busting out laughing. I mean, this is just like a horrible performance, but so yeah. committed in every way. And I like, I can't take my eyes off of it. No, exactly. It's fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? I, I mean, mm-hmm. this is kind of like an old Brando performance. Like, I don't want to like draw too many parallels between Tom Hardy and Brando, but like Brando used to do this. Do you know what I mean? Like Apocalypse Now is only like three degrees off of this movie. No, I was thinking more of Island of Dr. Moreau and he really didn't care anymore. Perfect. He was yeah. Just, yeah. Well, see, here's the thing, though. I don't think this is a case of Tom Hardy not caring. I think he cares pretty deeply. I just think like he's horribly misguided. Yes. I have a theory. Can I float it? Go ahead. Sure. Is Tom Hardy the new Johnny Depp? Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I see exactly kind what of? you mean. Yeah. Nico and I just both felt it. We're like, oh God, mm. he made a good point. <sighs> it's a decent point. I it's think a de- he's there. It's a decent point. He had a couple early performances where he was playing an early uh, normal man, and now all he can do is just put himself under a lot of makeup and do a funny voice, and it's the same voice, slight variations. I don't. I no. Okay, I'm. I'm not going to mm. take too much away from this performance. Mm. I'm not going to crucify Tom Hardy and his entire career because of this one movie. Mm. Yep. Um, I think Johnny Depp was doing shtick for a while. Mm. And Johnny Depp, I, I mean, to a certain extent, like Johnny Depp was always the actor that he is today. Sure. Johnny Depp always like straight away from being a movie star. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Edward Scissorhands, was that his breakout role? What would, what would Johnny Depp's breakout role? I know he's I in the so. Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but well, or in the first one, at least. He's in the first one. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I, I would say like the one that made him a star would have been Edward Scissorhands. But yeah. it is sort of funny that his first film was this weird, violent, fantastical movie about dreams. Mm-hmm. You know, right. so mm-hmm. the, the, the vein and in, in the DNA has always kind of been there with him. Right. Mm-hmm. So. so, I mean, I think Johnny Depp was always that guy. I don't think Tom Hardy was always that guy. And I think Tom Hardy has like that movie star gear that I haven't seen under Johnny Depp in quite some time, maybe since Gilbert Grape. But they've always been like, Tom Hardy's always been kind of the guy who wants to disappear into his roles, right? All, even all the way back to Star Trek Nemesis, I think he was game yeah. for doing that. And then... Well, so is Christian to- Bale, though. But you wouldn't compare Christian Bale to Johnny Depp. It's not quite the same thing, though. Not quite the same thing. I think, at least not to me, anyway. It reads more like Johnny Depp. It reads more like a guy in a Halloween costume than really a guy kind of disappearing into a part. Um, At a certain point... Because let's say Ed Wood is more like Ed Wood is kind of his Bronson, right? So he does the thing that we know him to be, that we know for him to be, uh, that we know him to do at this point in time. But it's a lesser version of that here. And then years down the road, he Jack Sparrow, and then it's just doing that same thing over and over again to diminishing returns. But Hardy didn't do that though for ten years. I mean, he he had a a solid resume like there is no Johnny Depp in the drop like Johnny Depp could not no. play that character Johnny Depp could not be that character in Locke and to a certain extent John here what here's about dead, I, what about what, what's eating Gilbert Grape and Dead Man and Benny and June those are the first five years of his of his yeah career. but he did it he could do it yeah the sample size though is more what I'm talking about here like how many bad Tom Hardy perform legitimately bad Tom Hardy performances that we have have we had I haven't so seen everything but I'm sure there's some Two bad performances? Is it Venom in this? I don't think Bane is a bad performance. Uh, boy. I mean, I, I don't even... I mean, Venom's not, like, a great performance. It's not, like, a total dog shit performance, though. There's just, like, one scene where you're like, what are you doing, man? Like, that's, like, I would say Venom... The, the scene with the lobsters is the first time you ever go, whoa, what the hell are you... Is the what, voice what? silly? Is the Venom... He does the Venom voice, right? And in addition to yes. playing Eddie Brock? Okay. I mean, the Venom voice is the Venom voice. I don't know what to say. It's just, it didn't. That's exactly what it was gonna sound like. Mm-hmm. So, it's more. I, what I'm more interested in is the, his performance as Eddie Brock, and it's it's not the worst thing imaginable. When I think about the worst things about that movie, it's not Tom Hardy. So, mm-hmm. I just think like th- th- this is where I'll, I'll push back on you. Um, Johnny Depp doesn't have that Inception gear. Like Johnny Depp can't enter a movie. As just like a dude with a briefcase and wow you with movie star charisma in the way that Tom Hardy can. And so like I I think, and I could be wrong about this, I'm not in the guy's head, but I think that movies like Capone, movies like Venom, uh, even movies like Legend from a couple years ago um, are his way of sort of rebelling against that mm. movie star thing. Mm-hmm. That that the industry has sort of carved out for him. It's like the second you see this man, you think he could be James Bond, but he has yeah. purposely strayed away from becoming James Bond to sort of hold on to some sort of uh, artistic integrity. And I don't think that's necessarily the case with Johnny Depp. I think Johnny Depp mm. is pretty good in Tim Burton movies and has clinged on to the Tim Burton aesthetic and as is sort of on autopilot. Um, I, I don't think he can just like be the lead in a romantic comedy. And I think Tom Hardy can. Adam, have you seen what's eating Gilbert grape? By any chance? Yeah. Is oh, he yeah. really good? He's good in that. Oh, really good. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Yeah. He's just a normal guy in that, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pretty normal. I mean, okay. but that that's the thing though. Like, I don't know. I I need to like track both of their careers because mm-hmm. I will say like because I do feel what Jabril is is saying as well. Again, the fact that. Bronson is the movie that showed the world, oh, God, like, maybe not the world, but showed investors, oh, this guy can really act. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's indicative of something because that performance is outrageous as hell, but it's absolutely wonderful in every regard. So, I mean... When Tom me- Hardy... Here's the thing. When Johnny Depp does it, it's annoying. When Tom Hardy does it, you're like, whoa, this guy is going somewhere that I, I never thought was possible. Yeah, I guess mm. that, that's certainly true early in his career. But I will say like like in Legend, for example, which I have seen, like half of his performance is good. But like the other 20 has to play. It's like, oh, you see how he could have gotten to mm-hmm. Capone easily. Right. Yeah. Right. And have you guys seen uh, Johnny Depp play Whitey Bulger in uh, Black? Yeah. Whatever that, I okay. actually like him in that he's, movie. He's good in that movie. Yeah. Okay, he reminded me of... Uh, Pawn of Hardy's Hardy's. He looks just. He looks identical. That that's another notch. A little bit, but that that's looks, actually a decent performance. Yeah, he looks mm-hmm. like him. Uh, yeah. and he's also going for it. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't call them two sides of the same coin, though. Not exactly. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, let it be known that on this date, May twenty first, twenty twenty, Jabril Mahmood called it. Tom Hardy is the new Johnny Depp. I really don't want that to happen. I I, I don't think so. I I think it's a decent theory, but I I don't think that's what's coming. We'll We're see. not getting him in the next Mad Max movie. So, mm. are they so actually that. making another Mad Max movie? Yeah, they're I doing a so. Furiosa prequel with no Charlize yeah. Theron, by the way. Oh, hey, George is, Miller's doing it. I don't know. Is he directing it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And writing it. All right, cool. I'm in. That's fine. yeah. Me too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this performance is quite bad, but super committed and super going for it. Uh, now let's talk about the Josh Trank factor for a second. Okay. Um, because this evidently is the movie that cleanses Josh Trank's soul. That's that's it's what nice. he claims. I don't know if that's exactly how he puts it, but after being fed up by the Hollywood system, rejected for Fant four stick, um, he's returning to the soundstage and making this Al Capone movie that he wrote while in exile. Uh, And he's very proud of it. If you hear him in interviews, he thinks like this is exactly what my artistic vision was. Now that same artistic vision failed to sell to a major studio, which is why it's being released VOD style. Um, Maybe that's an asset though, considering we're in lockdown and this is well, an easy coronavirus movie to get behind. You don't think this would have gone to like, like, theaters if it if it wasn't covid <laughs> well it was promised a theatrical release but it was not like paramount it was like a minor no. distributor that picked it up and yeah this this they changed plans once they realized it would not get a theatrical release mm-hmm. so okay. um a point being when the movie was done studios were not clamoring for its rights uh no one wanted a piece of this and i can understand why this is like a really challenging movie really super challenging movie and when you think al capone biopic you certainly don't think this, or at least I don't think this, but Josh Trank did. And I want to see like what you think about that. What, what do you think this movie says about Josh Trank filmmaker? Hmm. All right. Well, I mean, first off it says he has really bad instincts. (laughs) 
And this, well, this is a problem with a lot of filmmakers and something I, I, I look at a lot. It's like what, what a lot of what defines a good filmmaker is simply if they're able to get into touch with their good instincts and turn that into a good movie because people with bad instincts keep making bad movies like the Neil Breen's, even though they're convinced that they're correct. They're, they're not, they're, they're just not. And I wouldn't call Josh Trank on the level of Neil Breen, of course, but it's very obvious that his interests are very misguided because, I mean, I, I think the conceit of this movie of exploring um, Al Capone at this point in his life is interesting for a short film, maybe. I would have liked that, I guess. Um, I have no interest in the story, though. I mean, I don't even, I, if I can even qualify this as a story, I mean, this is, this is about a guy just like, I, I mean, losing his mind slowly with, with very little context to anything that happens to little no- motivation from many characters. It's one of the worst edited films I've seen in a while. <laughs> Thank you again, Josh. Um, <laughs> it's just a mess. And I mean, if this is really what he's interested in, then like, I don't know what to say to you, dude. That's 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 my answer. I guess he seems to be interested in people who are coming apart at the seams, uh, based on yeah. the interviews and just based on the other two films. Uh, you know, Dane DeHaan and Chronicle, the body horror of uh, Fantastic Four, and this. It seems like a he seems like a temperamental and emotionally distraught guy. So that's that's certainly something that I, I clung on to. Yeah, but so is Ari Aster. But at least he can funnel that into something worthwhile. That's true. That's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Uh... Yeah, you know. Was there anything we, that you? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. We, I'm just saying, we need a term for these people. We need a He's term like for that. this type of director. I'm not sure. Like film bro is not really the way to put it. No. But but there's something like very like hyper masculine, gross. It's, it's um, angsty. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's angsty. angsty. I wouldn't say like, it's hyper masculine. No, I wouldn't no, say it's that. Oh, you don't think angsty. so? No. Okay. No. I'd say Zack Snyder is hyper masculine. This guy's no. I kind of put Snyder and, and Trank into the same camp, though. Yeah, but there's an insecurity with Josh Trank that mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's even aware of. Whereas, just there is confidence with uh, someone like uh, Zack Snyder, which is why I agree his films tend to be a little more masculine. Josh like David Trank, Ayer is another one that I think about. Say what? David Ooh. Ayer, David Ayer. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a you good know, example. I, I sort of all put them into this. I, I don't know exactly. How no, there's more it. vulnerability with Trank that he puts out in the screen and into his interviews that I don't get from those either. Those those guys. Okay. I see them in line with uh, Michael Bay. Mm. Hyper masculine. Yeah. Machismo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little misogynist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe. All right. Maybe they might right have been that. called vulgar vulgar auteurs. For the yeah. term thrown in vulgar auteurs. Well, I think Josh Trank can be pretty vulgar. And this I would call him a, certainly vulgar. a vulgar auteur. Like I get, I like angsty though. Like I, I like yeah. that about him. He's definitely angsty. Yeah. Um, know, incredibly insecure. And also seems to be fascinated by stuff that is not that fascinating. And I think yeah. that's really the point here. Um, an old man struggling with dementia and shitting himself for a year <laughs> of his life I is. Yeah, but a guy reckoning with his past, him coming up part of the same as fractured memories. That's he's not really interesting hardly ideas. reckoning with his past, though. I mean, they they <laughs> try to do memories. Th- yeah. yeah, yeah. They they try to like like address that, but it is mm. so haphazardly done and unfocused yeah. that I can I can't even give the film any credit in that regard. Right. So it's just kind of fake deep. 
I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's a great in way concept, to put it. Yeah, in concept, I like what he's doing, but it just it doesn't feel fulfilled. It feels mm-hmm. half half done, half baked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I can't quite put my finger on what's so horrible about this movie, other than the fact that every scene is just confounding. Like, just these scenes make no sense, and that's why I consistently texted Adam last night being like, what is happening right now? Please explain this to me. Um, beyond that, there's just sort of this weird uncanny valley that this movie reaches. Um, mm. And it's somewhere between Lynchian absurdism and uh, and mafio, mafiosa sort of, or machismo sort of mafia movies. I Like, I don't know. It's, it's in this weird zone that just doesn't work in any way, shape, or form. It's almost, it's too weird, but not weird enough at the same time. Does well, that make again- sense? Well, this reminded me again, like, like, like he's when how often Josh Trank references Cronenberg and how often critics do in his movies. Like, it's definitely present here. Mm. I, I, I saw quite a bit of Cronenberg in this movie, um, uh, particularly like, like even some some of the weirdness of Videodrome, oddly, even though they're totally different films. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know how you I, I, how you describe that. It's just very, it's it's. <sighs> It's very loose with its plot and it's hard to identify like where the thrust is or where exactly it's going. But usually in a Cronenberg film, it pays off brilliantly. And I mean, here it's him sitting with his estranged 18 year old son. (laughs) Right. Uh, Which I'm not even sure. what, What was that? Man, some of these ideas I like, though, on their own. And it's just, you put it together and it's just... It seems like he's trying to work out some stuff. I mean, based on that Polygon interview, it seems like he's right. just putting a lot of his his troubles up on the screen. It just, he couldn't organize them in any coherent way. Right. Well, you're right, though. That's a great idea to do that. But that's something that, like, David Lynch does a, a lot. Mm. And yeah. if, if, if that's the case, make it more surreal or Lynchian, you know? D- g- go in that direction. You don't just do that. I don't... He, Josh I know, I know, good, but I, I'm talking about, like, art, like... Ex- being even more expressionistic with your film like this one mm. it, like kind of toes that weird line of being surreal but mm. also saying i guess i gotta tell a basic narrative in some way you know it's not a it's not that mm. that that strangeness that lynch or or uh Hodorowsky goes for it's not like that mm. at all by the you way know, we and, should mention that lynch's cinematographer works with josh trank on this and, movie. Yes. and and the boy's what? in this yeah he is which boy the boy. Mr. Oh. Dr. Cooper. Oh, okay. <laughs> Our boy. I thought you meant yeah. like a literal boy. No, McLaughlin, Our boy, baby. The boy we bought online. <laughs> <laughs> McLaughlin, bro. Yeah, there's a lot of Lynch connections here. Um, yeah. Peter Deming, who is mm-hmm. um, Lynch's cinematographer, worked on Twin Peaks The Return. Mm-hmm. Yep. Works with him here. And I will say, like, there were some shots in this movie that... Looks nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think work. I, I gotta be honest with you. Look, I'm not going to be the guy. I'm, I'm not going to be a hot make take machine today and mm. say that this movie is good by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> this movie is not good. I didn't hate those dream sequences, though. No, me neither. I like them. And I actually kind of loved that first one. Mm. Not Which one? Lie. Which one? Which one? The one where he's at the party. Yeah. The Louis Armstrong one? Yes. Mm. I didn't like that at all. Kind of liked that scene. Not going to lie. I, I, I didn't even like like I was very confused at what the point of any of that was. And a lot of it is paired. Again, a lot of the issue with it is just like seeing Tom, up, Tom Hardy up there looking as confused as he could ever be. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, again, like I'm just sitting there like, I don't know 
but I don't know if I can even touch into how I'm supposed to be feeling right now. What it borders on comedy? It really borders yeah. on camp. All the whole yeah. movie borders on comedy. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's kind of like the Dougie Jones yeah. Twin Peaks effect. <laughs> Just oh, watching but- McLaughlin in like a a stupor, in like a in like a almost half coma a comatose state as he's walking around confused yeah. at the world. Mm-hmm. It's just really fascinating. Okay. Th- this is something I, I wish I could, maybe, maybe, maybe it's best that I don't know how to label this. And, um, but, but just, just being a human being, when I, when I see stuff like this on screen, I have the inclination to say like, okay, why does that work? But this doesn't work. Right. You know what I mean? Because like in on paper, like I might even say Dougie Jones, fuck that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. And Al Capone having a crazy dream sequence. Hell yeah. But for some reason, Dougie Jones holding coffee in an elevator and smiling like a dumbass <laughs> makes so much more sense to me. <laughs> and well, I don't know what that is. There's more heart to it, I think. I, I, think I, I think there's more heart to it. I think yeah. like that that show, Twin Peaks The Return, we're talking about here. It's sort of about a guy who manages to make a connection to other human beings and yep. to like capture love Master. without being able to communicate or have any idea what's going on. And mm-hmm. there's something like quite beautiful about that. This idea like Dougie Jones can yeah. connect to Naomi Watts's character and to her son. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even though that's not her real husband there. Um, it's actually quite moving. And I find the Dougie oh, yeah. Jones character to be incredibly moving, especially when McLaughlin comes out of the state out of his fugue state and leaves the family. Like it's just a really touching scene Uh, here. Like you just don't feel any connection to Al Capone at all. How could Uh, you, you don't care about his marriage with Linda Cardellini, who I adore Mm -hmm. in most things, but no, you just don't care at all about their marriage. Did you Uh, care when she slapped him across the face and he fell down? That was fun. That was actually very funny. Did you have to hit him so hard? Yeah. Did you take it easy, Cardellini? <laughs> Quite a windup, man. I can't wait to see her fastball. She's Little like, Italian girl, man. Mm-mm. She's a Mm-mm. southpaw, apparently. Like yeah. she hit hard with the left. <laughs> she actually hit Tom Hardy. You know she did. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I mean, I just didn't care about any of it. I think just the problem here is that there's no heart, and uh, maybe that's the commonality between Josh Trank and David Iyer and Zack Snyder and Michael Bay is that. All of their movies just lack any sort of heart or soul. No, I, I think he's significantly less competent than those two. Right, that's less true. Com- it seems like here. Yeah. As far as a writer, as a filmmaker, this just if this is his vision in totality, this just feels unfinished. Yeah. There were several moments where I'm like, you know, this cost $20 million. This feels like six or $7 million. Right. This I feels agree. very cheap at certain points. Yeah. I just don't, he, it seems like he just doesn't really have all the goods. Not yet. Rushed along. Not a lot of patience in his filmmaking or his writing as well. Yeah. Even Zack like, Snyder. Zack Snyder is, I mean, say what you will, but I mean, like he is at least a competent director, would you say? And so is, and so are David Ayer. He can I stage mean, I an would, action sequence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind Watchmen at all. Mm. Yeah. I like Watchmen and I, and Dawn of the Dead's all right. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, he's, I would say he's a, he's a competent filmmaker, understands like, story mm-hmm. on a very base level and can mm-hmm. sustain it f- for the most part. <laughs> uh, but Hopefully yeah, Josh Trank- to sustain a six episode miniseries coming to HBO max. Soon. Oh my God. Good for you, dude. <laughs> um, Josh Trank on the other hand, I mean, Oh boy. I, 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 I mm, he's, he's, 
He's more fascinating than I gave him credit for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is, is, it, is it just mean-spirited, too? I don't know. Does he hate Al Capone? Does Josh Trank hate Al Capone? Because I don't think he does. I don't think... Well, this is not about Al Capone, though. This is about Josh Trank. <laughs> <laughs> don't you know kid that yourself, Josh people. Trank does a great Louis Armstrong impression? Mm-hmm. I heard that. Definitely. Yeah. That's that's why I'm serious. That's why Louis Armstrong is portrayed in that dream sequence. Because when he was a kid, him and his stepmom used to perform Louis Armstrong songs, him and his Louis Armstrong accent. And uh, yeah, that's so like that's like an important figure in his life. That there is fucking stupid. (laughs) Um. (laughs) So I want to like properly articulate here like how weird this movie is for Mm. people that haven't seen it because i wouldn't recommend that you rent this movie unless you're like really in the mood for something crazy um but like this movie opens up with tom hardy in a fucking pinstripe suit the most gaudy pinstripe suit i've ever seen and he's sitting around the dinner table and again he is painted like dracula in the face the makeup is atrocious and he mm. has those scars on his face because after all the man is Scarface and mm. Uh, mm. it soon becomes very clear that Tom Hardy in his dying days um, is wrought with dementia and we learn that when he's sitting with his sons and he begins shitting his pants. <laughs> <laughs> This happens several times in the movie. Lots of feces in this movie. Yeah. Why so much feces in this movie? This is the funny thing is that you can get that idea across in one scene and never address it again. Mm. As a matter of as a matter of fact, there is a movie called Still Alice that does the exact same thing. <laughs> and they have exactly one scene where it happens. And they never do it again. <laughs> I need to find my phone. Where is my phone? <laughs> this is a good point. Uh, how about just no shitting? How about like That's, just... He no, re- more shitting. How about shitting. just like, hey, Al... What's your phone number? And he doesn't remember it. Like, that's enough. (laughs) Yes. I'm cool with that, man. I don't need to see explosive diarrhea (laughs) between Tom Hardy and Linda Cardellini in bed together. I don't need that, dude. there, there's this is a, a funny thing too is that like we, we talk about this a lot too because that's an extreme and you could have done this in in a much more subtle way like you said like for remembering a phone number but like there is something about this here because like extremes have worked before like hunger is an extremely effective movie oh, and yeah. it definitely earns that in in every authentic way possible yeah the feces mm-hmm. budget was out of this world on that movie it's disgusting, but for yeah. some reason, that feels more authentic than anything we got here with Tom Hardy shitting his bed while the love is, of his life smells flies, or no, smells the shit and the flies buzzing around him. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is a Godfather-esque horse head scene, except replace the horse head with Tom Hardy's pooped diaper. Johnny Fontaine never gets that movie! <laughs> Um, oh hmm. Fonzie oh Fonzie oh you shit your pants 
I cannot be made to look ridiculous. A man in my position cannot afford to look ridiculous. Hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, huh. mm. Okay, yeah, so there's the shit. Just wanted to get that out the way. Mm. It, is there an argument to be made? I'm not sure that... Uh, okay, I'm sure someone will make this argument, but oh. that Josh Trank meant to make this funny. Well, if he does, that's not a very admirable feat. Yeah. I mean, would you want to make a movie about how funny it is to get dementia? <laughs> no, but there was like a lot of unintentional comedy here. Uh, yeah. A lot of it. <laughs> you, no kidding. <laughs> So, like, I don't know. Like, was Josh Shrankin on the joke? Was Hardy in on the joke? I mean, that face is just so absurd. There's, yeah. like, but this, like, Tom Hardy's, like, mumbling and is confused, like, ugh, ugh, <laughs> to, like, every, like, dramatic thing that happens. Like, when that when that girl rides him and tell, and I don't remember what she said him. It was in a dream sequence. And then she just gets shot up and he's just, like, ugh, 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 ugh. It's just, it's so funny. <laughs> You have to but, search where it's wet. <laughs> the scene with Josh Trank himself yes. is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a movie. So good. Which one was that? I missed. Oh, it's Who the it's the interview the interview with the lawyer and and the and the officer. Oh, with okay. Neil Brennan playing Neil his Brennan, lawyer. Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> where they're sitting around interrogating him mm. and it is again like the most heavy-handed mm. interrogation in the history yeah. of movies like mm -hmm. this makes zero dark 30 look like a routine checkup you know what i mean <laughs> like that you this is like the definition of witness harassment here uh but like that felt so stock by the way the, the inclusion mm. of neil and like the, the dialogue where there was there that felt so stock and cheap yeah. that was really oh, a it was. clinch point it, of like yeah but the scene yeah. ends yeah. with just hardy yeah. shitting himself yes. and everyone smells <laughs> that's it the punchline <laughs> i'm starting to think some of this was intentional i don't know mm. yeah or, or at least it could have been interpreted that way and again that okay. seems like something like david Iyer would do and that's why yes. i think like that's something josh trank would do like i don't know it's if this a dark guy comedy has, i don't know you know. I can't give it a it's pass a tragic for that, comedy. though. Maybe it's a tragic yeah. comedy. I don't know. It's <laughs> giving it a lot it of credit. Yeah. It definitely doesn't work. Even if that's what he's going for, it certainly doesn't work. Mm. So, mm. Uh, There's also a scene in this movie where Al Capone sings along to the cowardly lion in The Wizard that of Oz. Good. That was good. This is The Wizard of Oz sequence we're talking about. Uh, for some reason, Al Capone is getting The Wizard of Oz screened to his personal movie theater. Mm. He's got a man like operating the projector and everything. I don't know that personal movie theaters were a thing in yeah, 1939 so. or 1949, yeah. Yeah, but sure. I guess they were. And uh, apparently Al Capone has seen Wizard of Oz so many times. He's a huge Judy Garland fan, talks about Judy Garland all the time and is able to recite the words to the Cowardly Lions musical number uh, again, word for word. And, uh, man, that is something I did not need to say on a Tuesday night. That was fun. No, that was good. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love it when Jabril <laughs> puts this little hot take in there. It was good. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's also a scene where Tom Hardy is wearing women's clothes because he's sneaking out of house arrest. <laughs> um, we have to talk about the confusion that is Matt Dillon's character. Whoa. Yeah. Let's mm. do this. Okay. Note, note to Josh Trank. 
Um, you really, really, really need to stop drinking, man. Um, I think he has. I'm not convinced of that. Uh, according to him, he's sober. Okay, well then, how do you explain the, the the scene that introduces Matt Dillon, and then the film goes on to say, "Hey, he's actually not real." How do you explain? Oh God! <laughs> the inclusion of a character who is introduced outside of Al Capone's perspective, even though he's supposed to be existing entirely in his head. You have a good point. At the same time, when I saw that character, he did scream to me, Tyler Durden. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. And you're right. That little lapse of logic excluded. It, it, it did like scream to me. This is going to be the twist. This is the guy that he murdered because that guy underneath the hood in that dream sequence clearly was someone important. So I did put those pieces together. Uh, still makes no sense. You're 100 percent right. I don't know how Al Capone snuck out of his compound and went fishing without the help of Matt Dillon, but apparently he did. Uh, maybe that was just a, a repressed memory or something. Mm. Um, but man, I got to tell you, when fucking Al Capone starts shooting a fish in the middle of the ocean... And it's goes, an alligator. Was that an alligator? It's yeah. an alligator. Really? Yeah. Word. Okay. <laughs> so when he starts shooting the alligator and goes, you fucking bum, that was my fish. I nearly fell off the couch laughing. <laughs> so good. It's pretty great. Yeah. Oh my God. I, that was like kicking Baxter off the roof or the bridge. <laughs> exactly. That's what it was. <laughs> so good. Um, talked about uh, slap, the slap. Man, what a powerful slap that was. Uh, talk about Louis Armstrong scene. We talked the stabbing scene was quite, Mm, horrific yeah mm. yeah Ew. Ew. didn't like that again i like that dream sequence mm -hmm. i like at I'm the not... end where the where the bodies are piling up on the road and he's trying to reach his I son his illegitimate love son that. yeah yet he keeps <clears throat> tripping over the bodies it felt like a nightmare that i've had before i actually really liked it mm. i like that part more than more so than everything that took place inside i i really like the sound design in that scene i don't know i i, I like the commotion i like the crowd noise mm-hmm Again, Weird. Tom Hardy is so horrible in it, but like still, the, the the band starts playing like like just nothing notes. They're not even playing a song. It's just like them playing random stuff. Right. It's kind of weird. I mean, I I don't know. I found it admirable. Eh. If not always good, I found it admirable. Okay, that's fine. That's uh, fine. Later on, Al Capone is uh, again after suffering a stroke. Again, that's like a pretty out there scene. They start giving him a carrot. In place of a cigar to trick the man and he falls for it so that leads to several scenes of tom hardy with a carrot in his mouth oh my coloring with crayons it is so humiliating to watch it's like i just feel so bad for tom hardy in these moments because he has no choice and you know that was not his decision that was a hundred percent josh trank approved <laughs> how do you know he likes to take chances <laughs> you you think Tom Hardy was like you know what guys give me the carrot He's oh, a what is he Bugs Bunny oh <laughs> didn't you see that photo of him at the Oscars with that iPhone case that has Shia LaBeouf in the let's just do it pose he's a funny guy <laughs> how about when Al Capone draws a duck oh yeah and his son goes oh what's that a duck <laughs> And Hardy goes, quack. Quack. 
I would like to. What is this movie, guys? I would like to know, to Japriel's point about Tom Hardy, he has wrestled with uh, Shia LaBeouf naked. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Was this in Lawless? Yes. Okay. Mm. I haven't so, seen Lawless. They don't wrestle in the movie naked. He just wrestled with Shia LaBeouf while they Oh, in between naked. takes. Yeah. Just to get the method. I understand. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Naturally. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the movie just has a lot of horrific imagery. At the end, there's another dream sequence where Capone gets his hands on a machine gun and shoots yep. the gardener. That actually happens. But then there's a whole sequence where he begins raining fire on his posse. Mm. That does not actually happen. But it's like a pretty, I don't know, interesting scene. I wouldn't necessarily call it thrilling, but I had some laughs. Here's the point. This movie's never boring. No. But no. this movie is always terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I don't know. It might be admirable for that reason. There, it's It certainly keeps your attention uh, that the gold-plated Tommy gun scene is I, I got to be iconic somewhere down the line. <laughs> but, like, you're right. Like, it's never, ever, ever, ever good. None of I, that was good. You know what? I think you're onto something there. Th- this thing has cult classic written all over it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. This movie is going to be memefied. This movie is going to be talked about in film circles for several years. Uh, we are not going to be able to escape it as hard as we try. Mm-hmm. You're 100% right about that. And look, I, I do think it is an interesting portrait of a very complicated Hollywood director. And I think a cautionary tale. Um, you know, okay. Josh Trank is not alone. I mean, Gareth Edwards is another guy who was given the keys to the castle too early and had everything stripped from him. Um, Kathleen Kennedy <laughs> has a has a way of squashing young men's dreams. You know what I mean? Yeah, Kathleen Kennedy might be the most evil person working today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know. I, That's Bob this, Iger. Okay, Bob maybe. Iger's the most evil. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, this She's never close. works. This just doesn't work. I, I think about the, who's the guy that did Boondock Saints? <laughs> You're oh, not gonna yeah. cite him, Troy Duffy. <laughs> Troy Duffy. So Harvey Weinstein in 1999 is just like, "Hey, Troy Duffy, you've never done a feature before. You've never written a screenplay before. Here's ten million dollars to make whatever you want." And that like sort of felt like a PR stunt. It didn't even feel like a like an actual movie production. And that movie does insanely well, but you never hear from Troy Duffy ever again. This doesn't work, man. You have no, to pay your dues in this Some, business. Sometimes it works. Give me an example of a guy that is given a massive budget to make a franchise movie. No, like an original movie. You're talking about, you, you just referenced an original movie. There has, there, I'm just, there's plenty of examples. Clarks, you, you, the, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith always worked independent, though. I mean, that that's my point. You mean a movie where they were given immediately given something yeah, big yeah. and then and then went on to do other great things? Yes. I mean, even though Alien Three was a disaster production, we still got David Fincher because of it. But I think that's that is the opposite, though. That that's the I, I think what the Fincher exception? realizes. No, I think it's the opposite. I think Fincher was given the big studio project immediately and learned that big studio projects were not for him. In the yeah. case of Trank, in the case of Gareth Edwards. And I guess Colin, uh, Colin Trevorrow is another one. They made one little micro budget movie. Mm-hmm. It did okay with critics, and yeah. instantly they were given three hundred million dollars. 
And they were in over the head. They had no idea what to do with it. They had no experience working with like a professional Hollywood crew, with a special effects team, with editors, with cinematographers, that's, with this, A-list that's actors. the industry current day. We're not in the industry 25 to 30 years ago where they're making original films. It's nothing but franchises and superhero films. So, But I do think, though, when you... Uh, okay. Uh, who, um, and also, by the way, David Fincher did make studio films. I mean, almost every one of his films is a studio film. He hasn't worked independent ever. Yeah. No, I I understand, but he he sort of scaled back the resources. He didn't go yes. for he he didn't make Avatar right out the no. gate. Mm. You know, uh, I think about like a guy like John McTiernan. John McTiernan used to be the prototypical action movie director. Like a John McTiernan movie was kind of like a Marvel movie today. You know, mm-hmm. your diehards, last action heroes, whatever. John McTiernan was a veteran of action filmmaking. You know, that dude was around for a long time before he made Die Hard. And th- like it used to be a steady studio hand was given these projects. It was never like a young guy fresh out of film school. Um, I think about Sam Raimi, like Sam Raimi was around for a long time before he made his first Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Um, so like this is actually a new phenomenon in the past, when you gave a director that much money that early in their career, it, it, it never worked out. And I, I still don't think we have an example. I mean, maybe uh, Taika Waititi, maybe. Mm-hmm. But even Taika Waititi, though, spent a lot of time in television, spent a lot of time doing other forms of comedy, did acting, did writing. Well, he had four other movies before he made Thor. Got his sea legs before yeah. he did Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I guess, I mean, I guess you could maybe cite... Uh, um, the Russo brothers, but they did television. So, I mean, I mean, that's, that's the way that directors used to do it. That's the way it used to be done. And it worked. It worked. Steven Spielberg did television, you know, um, uh, Sidney Lumet did television. Yep. Um, it it wouldn't kill Josh Trank to do a couple TV episodes. It wouldn't kill him to do half a season of true. You don't always have to do television though. Scorsese didn't do television. He got his feet wet with uh, with Roger Corman. Yeah, sure. And, and going to film school. Yeah, wh- whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever yeah. the case may be. Like, you have to do your time in the minors before you mm. get to start for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And Josh Trank didn't do that time. And I just don't think there's any example, at least a modern example, of this transition working out. And I hope that we're on the tail end of it. I don't know. Yeah. The other mm. issue with Josh Trank is that he wants to be the guy who just becomes the next big amazing thing and doesn't need to do mm-hmm. television. Right. You know, his ego is too large. He wants you to know. be Spielberg. Yep. Right. I know. I guess it's, I was going to say Damien Chazelle, but that doesn't work either. You're right. No, Damien Chazelle has been around for a long time too. Yeah. He's closer to that though. He's only, I mean, most of the stuff he's done is very like, like small and not, not as noteworthy and hasn't been a long, hasn't been around for like years and years and years necessarily, you know, did y'all watch the Eddie, of- by the way? You seen Say any what? of the Eddie, the Netflix show, Chazelle's Netflix show? He has a Netflix show out now? Yeah, it's called The nope. Eddie. He directed the first two episodes and oh. was heavily involved in it. No, uh, didn't see. Guess what it's about? Jazz? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> eh, that's not good. That's not it's, good. It's, um... It's not great. It's, it's okay. Th- there are elements of it that are very good. The direction is solid. Um, he has like a, a cinema verite style to it. And okay. like when Giselle commits to it, an aesthetic, he commits to an aesthetic. Um, yeah. So, you know, it has like a real French cinema verite style. It, the show is set in France. So that's appropriate for the location. 
Um, I kind of just wish it was a show about jazz, but it does that TV thing where the writers get anxious and they throw in a meaningless crime plot. Mm-hmm. And like that B plot is just kind of annoying and, and trite. Um, and it's just super distracting. Like I just want to watch Andre Holland hang out in a jazz club. Andre Holland's an awesome actor. I love him in basically everything. And I, he's really good in this show. Um, but I kind of just want to see the stripped down version of the show. Uh, mm. So it annoyed me for that reason. But it, it has prem- uh, potential. I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if they're going to do any more seasons of it. It might just be an eight episode thing, but it's on Netflix. <clears throat> Damon Chazelle is another one that I was wondering, like what franchise he would get attached to. There's only one that really came to mind, honestly, for me, which you know, is I always I thought he'd make a really good James Bond film. Maybe. Yeah. You never know. But one that's day. About it. Yeah. 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 Whatever. So is that it for the Josh Trank experiment? Uh, I have. <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I'd be interested to see what he would put out next. In a way, yeah, I guess I could. Ironically, but that's a problem. He's fallen into that. Like, oh god, what what other crazy shit can he come up with? You know? Yeah, man. It's not good. No, <laughs> it's not good. I mean, in a way, the guy is kind of fearless. I have to give him credit for that. This movie goes for it. Mm-hmm. This movie is uncompromising. This movie yep. is gross. Uh, but this movie is not good. And nope. uh, yeah, I think we can we can put a fork in this one, guys. I, for one, think it's memorable. And I'm going to rewatch some scenes every now and again. Oh, no. Because yeah. Tom Hardy is, in a way, pretty good. And pretty memorable. <laughs> Oh. Mem- memorable and good are not the same thing. <laughs> you know what else he reminded me of? Oh no, what? Johnny Depp in Tusk. Enough of Johnny Depp. Enough of the Johnny Depp comparison. <laughs> <laughs> He's on his way. He's on his way. Oh my God, Johnny Depp in fucking Tusk. Yeah, baby. <laughs> He's Yorgi Bell. My neighbor's a Yorgi Bell. What is he doing in that movie? <laughs> That, that that film is incredible. <laughs> Tusk. Oh my god. <laughs> I saw that shit in theaters. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I saw Tusk in theaters with like 50 other people. Jesus. Was the theater in Kevin Smith's garage? <laughs> <laughs> you saw that in theaters? <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, what a weird, weird experience, unlike anything I've ever felt. Look, it's a fun podcast. Yeah. It's a fun podcast where they came up with that idea. I've I've heard, listened to that podcast. It's a great podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anything else from the world of film, gentlemen? Um, <sighs> uh, Nico, watch Bronson. Okay. Yeah, watch Bronson. Okay. It's about time. Okay. Uh, Jabril, watch Locke. I will. And the drop. And And watch. uh, I don't know why this came to mind. I just want everyone to watch Brawl and Cell Block 99. mm. Because I've been watching it a lot lately. Oh, Um, good. (laughs) That's fun. Yeah, I saw Uh, Bone Bone Hawk. What's it called? Bone Bone Tomahawk Tomahawk. recently. Yeah, Yeah. that was good. That movie rules. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really good. Awesome. Mm. Okay, yeah. And also, next time you have a fucking idea, (laughs) let's let's, uh, stray away from the feces, shall we? (laughs) <laughs> okay. Well, I have an idea. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! What is the next it? director we subject ourselves to for a uh, okay. Hall of Fame? It's one of your favorites, Nico. 
Uh-oh. Wies Andersen. <laughs> no. I'm not all happen. in. Not you know that. Nope. 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 Let's do it. Let's just do Why not? it. Come on. Why not? No, we could do not it. Not happening. Why not? We've discussed this before. Why? Because you're scared? Firmly rejected. Not by me. Not happening. I've not Why seen not? that many. I've only seen two, so this is... Good. Uh, Let's keep it that way. Ah. Oh. Did we talk you, Wes Anderson enough? We don't need to commit a whole no, podcast. No, we don't. Anderson. We don't actually yes, see. We, we do. No, we talked no, Fantastic no, Mr. No, Fox. No, 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 we talked no, Rushmore. No. We didn't talk about, about Grand Budapest Darling Hotel. Like, we have not talked about Grand Budapest Hotel. We've only mm. talked about fucking Grand oh Budapest Hotel. Comes up like every other conversation we have. Okay, all we don't it need is to is talk that, about. All, <laughs> all it is is that I say I love it and you say you hate it. We've only like had a discussion about Rushmore and Fantastic Mr. Fox, and that's enough, bro. It's enough. We talk. We always bicker about Royal Tenenbaums. We no. We don't yeah. need to do this. No, sure we do. No, you're just you're just. Let's a, a pick freight. a director that we've never touched before. Let's do oh, their movies. Stop Ooh. it. We had touched Woody Allen beforehand. I want to do Spike Lee next. We've never talked about a Spike Ooh. Lee movie. I think we should do Spike Lee next. Personally. We could do Spike Lee, but I think somewhere down the line, it would be nice to do Wes Anderson. I'll, I'll make you watch Isle of Dogs. <laughs> Ooh, let's do John Waters. <laughs> yes. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Some of his movies are on Criterion Channel. Now that, yeah, Criterion's been picking up a lot of his stuff. Have they mm. done, have they picked up Pink Flamingos yet? Not, it's, uh, yeah, actually, yes. They, they have. Oh Not my God. Not on the channel, but it's in the collection, so, yeah. Wow. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Adam and I, without Jabril... Will be uh, <laughs> will be doing a podcast that I've actually been thinking about for a while, and I'm really excited uh, about best concert movies of all time uh, coming yep. next week. We're going to induct the best concert movie into the Movie Hall of Fame. Your five nominees: Stop Making Sense, The Last Waltz, Give Me Shelter, Woodstock, and Dave Chappelle's Block Party. One of those five into the movie hall of fame next week. Uh, I've watched one of those movies uh, for the first time and I need to watch a few more of them, but I am super jazzed. No pun intended to talk about some rock docs next week. I'm excited excited. too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And by the way, most of them are also on the criterion channel. Stop making sense. Give me shelter and Woodstock on the criterion channel. Yeah. So if you have a subscription, uh, go check it out. Not Dave Chappelle's Block Party. They have not picked that one up yet, though. No, they haven't, weirdly enough. Yeah. They hate black people, that's why. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Damn criterion. Don't hate on Dave Chappelle's Block Party, okay? That's a a solid movie. I like that movie a lot. All right. All right. We'll we'll see. Not just because Kanye gives a great performance of Jesus Walks in that movie. I told you, I told you that it's it's better than a, a fucking documentary about country music. I'd kill myself before I watch that. Do you hate rap, Adam? Do you not like hip hop? Um, no, he hates black people. That's, that's true. I knew, that, but I knew let's that. Be, I let's be clear that. about yeah, that. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, that should answer your question, though. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. True. There, there it is. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't hate on rap, bro. Don't I, and do not hate on the god Kanye West. I don't like Kanye West. You can I, hate I, Drake. You can, can hate say, Drake. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I, I don't like Drake. I don't like Kanye. I don't like a lot of popular rappers today. I like a lot of old rap. Uh, but here's the thing to, to give you an idea of like 
why it's never been uh, uh, a genre that's jived with me is that like I don't even like Biggie Smalls. Like I listen to him and I'm like this sucks. Fuck oh, this. Yeah. I, did you like that? Did you like that one track I sent you, Adam? That uh, indie rapper. I thought you would like him. He's he's a uh, named Billy Woods. Billy Woods. Billy Woods. Mm, I don't know. I don't. Um, I don't remember it. You should send I, it I to don't me know again. who that guy is. Yeah. Uh, he's sort of an abstract uh, indie hip hop figure, so he's he's really cool. Jabril, by the way, is my source for abstract indie hip hop. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I get things from him every once in a while. It's enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> every once in a while, he'll send me like a friggin' uh, what's it? Joey Sweatshirt? What's his name? Earl Sweatshirt. Earl Sweatshirt. About, he's he's associated with Tyler, the creator. You yeah. know him, really? Yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, he'll just send me like some you know indie yeah. rap artist and. <clears throat> It's it's fun. Yeah. Uh, no, you're allowed well, to hate Drake, Adam. You're not allowed to hate Kanye. And here's the deal. Bro. No, you can hate Kanye. No, you're yes, not. He has ghostwriters. He has ghostwriters. Okay. Oh, okay. fuck okay. off. I, he's got ghostwriters. You don't know what he's okay. written. Same thing with Drake. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, okay, here's. I like Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar is amazing. There you go. Kendrick Lamar That's, was amazing. He's still amazing. He, he was. Says you. Uh, he's gone way too mainstream for my liking. Uh, I used to like, love Eminem before he got so rocks. mainstream. So there's another one, I guess. So. Dude, I'm gonna send you. You know what I'm gonna do? Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make you a playlist. Like, like we're in high school and I'm courting you. I'm gonna make you mixtape of just <laughs> the Kanye songs that I think you will like. You don't, dude. <laughs> Based on your music <laughs> taste. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I, I listen to Slipknot on the reg. Okay, I know. <laughs> so I'm, it's going to be a lot of Yeezus. Just letting you know right now. It's going to be lots Yeezus of Yeezus. Yeezus is a ripoff of the experimental hip-hop group Death Grips. <laughs> Get in the know, bitch. I'm gonna, he ripped I'm gonna, off sounds. He's a culture vulture. That's true. I watched the needle drop, so that's where I. Oh, I love the needle drop. That's my boy, love him. Anthony, Connecticut's uh, own. Anthony Fantano's baby. Uh, uh, Plainville's own. Name Calzone? What? Plainville's own. He's from my town. Oh, yes, yes, Plainville's own. That's correct. Yes, he's, he li- he's from he my li- town. He lives in Middletown right now. Yes, close by. Mm-hmm. I love that guy. Mm. No, that guy's good. Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, all right. Anything all right. else? No, we're good, right? Yeah. Uh, Adam, did you? Are you gonna watch Devs? The new Alex Garland show. I need to. Oh, De- Oh, I. Hmm. Should I? I haven't seen I, it. I. My confession. I, lo- I need to. I still need to see Alex Garland's other films. So. I need to- you haven't seen his other. You. You no. have to include. Okay. You have to. I mean, you've seen Twenty Eight Days Later. I mean, that's not his film, but he wrote it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have to watch Ex everything, Machina. including. Say what? Oh yeah. Ex- of depth. Definitely watch Ex Machina, but mm-hmm. you also have to watch Dread because it is actually his film. Okay. He wrote it. Fact. He wrote it, and there's dispute on whether or not he directed it. Phantom director. Ooh. Yeah, mm. I did not know that. Uh, Ex Machina I, is a masterpiece, and, Eli- and, and Annihilation <laughs> is a fascinating uh, movie that is not great but really, really good. Okay, I might call Dread an action masterpiece. I fucking love that movie. Okay, yeah. Dread is awesome. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to do some Garland. You you might like mm. Garland. I Devs. I, I have heard some mixed things about. I've heard the mm. first couple episodes are really good, and then it kind kind of gets like mm. bullshitty mm. in the middle, uh, and then bullshitty. And strong. Yeah. Bullshitty. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. That's it. Join our Discord. Mm. 
This is the big thing that we're promoting. Nick set this up and uh, man, it has been super, super fun uh, chatting with the listeners on there. We have a decent sized crowd. I think we have like 25 members of the group at this point. Uh, and it's, and it's been super fun getting a hold of us. You can always tweet us at funny Nico tweets and at some, some Adam hall. But if you join this little community, it's a nice place to hook up with other listeners and give us your suggestions. I shouted out next week's movie hall of fame topic asking for uh, favorite concert films. And uh, I got some recommendations on there. Um, you can just tell us why we're wrong about everything. So yeah, yep. go uh, to our discord. There is a link on the sidebar of our website, tmt.media and at the top of our Twitter at tmt underscore media. That is the pinned tweet at the top of our Twitter feed. So that is, where everyone should be going if you want more of too many thoughts media.com do it and that's it i love you all and until next time my hopping <laughs>